Welcome back to Sports Crunch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. And well, the 2017 NFL calendar year is almost upon us. This week, the entire league takes over Indianapolis for the 2017 NFL Scouting Combine. And today alone, as a matter of fact, just seconds ago, literally, a flurry of franchise tags and contract extensions have gotten done as the NFL prepares for the start of free agency a week from Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And to help us break all of this action down, we are thrilled to welcome our good friend Pete Smith back to the program. Pete contributes to the fantastic website DraftBreakdown.com, in which you can watch a lot of tape of uh, prospects in this year's draft class. And he also is a contributor to NFLSpinZone.com. Welcome back to the show, Pete. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. It's always a pleasure having you uh, on the show. And now let's get down to the business. As I mentioned, there's been a flurry of activity in the NFL today in terms of franchise tags and uh, contract extensions, as I mentioned in the intro. And uh, including minutes ago when Adam Schefter reported that the Pittsburgh Steelers and Antonio Brown agreed to terms on an extension that would, will make him the highest paid receiver in the NFL, a payday well-deserved for Antonio Brown, one of my all-time favorites, dare I say. And But the Steelers also had to uh, apply a franchise tag to running back Le'Veon Bell. And you could argue that he, even more so than Antonio Brown, is the straw that stirs the drink on that uh, Pittsburgh offense. And they gave Le'Veon Bell the exclusive rights franchise tag, which is the same designation Von Miller got last year with the Broncos and the same designation that Drew Brees got in 2012 with with the Saints, of course. And uh, both Brees and Von Miller, those were some of the most acrimonious negotiations I've ever um, witnessed personally in my time of covering the NFL. And... uh, do you foresee a similar, similarly acrimonious negotiation between Le'Veon Bell and the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, looming ahead? No, I think ultimately, uh, as much as, as as Bell would like to be able to negotiate with other teams to sort of help his market, I think ultimately the Steelers know where their bread is buttered. Uh, they have basically four players that really make that team go. They got Brown done. They've still got Roethlisberger. Uh, Cam Hayward on defense, and then Le'Veon Bell. I think they're smart enough to know that if they don't get this done, it really hampers their offense. So I think uh, as much as he may not be happy with the exclusive rights tag, I think ultimately it's going to it's gonna work out to a point where he is happy. I think it gets done eventually too, but do you think there's going to be some acrimony and bumps in the road along the way? Uh, I mean, generally the Steelers are pretty good about keeping this stuff quiet. I mean, obviously – the Antonio Brown deal was was not something that was talked about. Uh, it just sort of happened. They are pretty good about keeping that stuff quiet, so I wouldn't expect a ton of noise, but, you know, stuff can happen. Most definitely, and uh, you're definitely right about the Steelers keeping it quiet, but uh, this just did from Adam Schefter as well. It, the Antonio Brown extension is for four years, worth up to $68 million, uh, $17 million per year over four years, and he will make $18.5 million over the first three years of the deal, and, he is, uh, and it obviously makes him a stealer until uh, 2021, so a well-deserved payday for Antonio Brown. And uh, back to our franchise tags for a moment, uh, the uh, – it was reported by Ed Warder of ESPN this morning that barring some uh, last-minute uh, progress uh, within these next 48 hours, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs for the second year in a row will apply the franchise tag to safety Eric Berry. And Eric Berry has been deserving of a contract extension 
uh, for quite some time, especially how he came back from Hodgkin's lymphoma and uh, delivered one of the most unforgettable uh, comeback performances I've ever seen from a player in any sport. Uh, and there, an, uh, uh, at Sporting Nation, uh, uh, somebody wrote a column today at Sporting Nation, forgot who it was, saying that uh, that Eric Berry's situation is reason why the franchise tag has got to go. I don't think the franchise tag personally should be abolished completely, but but I do believe the current franchise tag system is too one-sided and is a bad deal for the players, and and it has to be uh, revised rather significantly uh, in the next uh, CBA. How do you how should the franchise tag be embedded in the next uh, CBA, Pete? Well, I mean, look, the franchise tag. Uh, ultimately is designed to, to allow teams to be able to keep a player. Uh, and for the, the idea is it's supposed to protect small market teams, even though the NFL has, has a good uh, salary cap, uh, allowing them to sort of keep a player uh, and, and avoid losing them to free agency, be it, you know, the, the fear was that teams like the Dallas Cowboys or some of these other big market teams would get off the field. So th- that was sort of the idea behind it. In practice, it doesn't really work out. Uh, originally, players loved the idea of getting a top five contract, uh, and then they figured out very quickly uh, that that it was more of a way to keep them from getting more money than it, than than it was a reward. Uh, certainly, it's great in the situation for certain players in certain situations. Eric Berry has said. Uh, he wants to get long-term security. He doesn't. He, he, in fact, he said he he refuses to play under the franchise tag again. So that could be a situation that's sort of clunky. If you, I mean, if they were going to change anything about the franchise tag, it would. Uh, in my view, I would get rid of the exclusive rights angle of it because that at least Absolutely. gives the ability to uh, open up the negotiations where teams. Teams at least are in the uh, in the field, which would have been interesting for Von Miller because if he didn't have the exclusive rights, I think a team uh, would have actually gone ahead and tried to sign him and, and been willing to give the first two uh, those two first round picks, which actually would have been a really fun uh, story to follow to see just who would have been able to do that. Uh, the other part that, that that may need to happen, and we'll see if it actually does, is just making it so you can't use it on a player two years in a row basically making it so you get one shot with the franchise tag and after that they're free. I think that's the biggest source of frustration for a guy like Eric Berry is he just did it. Uh, It was not a fun negotiation. I do really believe he loves Kansas city. And I think the fans love him there with everything that he went through with his cancer and the, and the recovery and everything. But this certainly has to weigh on him. Uh, He's 29. He wants to be able to sort of, get that last deal done that he's going to be able to, you know, if not play his entire career on at least have a good feel of where his career is going to go. And then this sort of leaves him up in the air. Yeah, Pete, I agree with a lot of what you said. Like I often say the franchise tag is uh, meant to be a clock to buy a team extra time to negotiate with a player, but it's being used in too many instances as a nuclear missile in which it like obliterates what a player could potentially earn on the wider market. And and in a game like football, it's up to players to make uh, as much money as they can, and they need a better system to do it. And uh, I definitely agree with getting rid of the exclusive rights tag, and I definitely agree with your idea that you could only use 
you can't use a tag on a player uh, two years in a row, uh, something like that. So that is a definite compromise to watch out for um, uh, when the next uh, CBA negotiations come up in 2021. But uh, this week uh, we are focused mainly on the combine, which is obviously the first step in the final run-up to the uh, NFL draft. And you are a Cleveland Browns fan, and how appropriate is that since you guys have the first overall pick in this year's draft. And what do you see the Browns doing with the first overall pick? Do they uh, select Miles Garrett as most expect, or do you, do you think they surprise and select a quarterback or even trade down? And that wouldn't be that much of a shot given how the Browns like to move around the board under a Sachi Brown and a Paul de Podesta. I believe the sec- second the Browns got the first pick in the draft, the deal was done. They were going to take Miles Garrett. However, this week is going to sort of put the end of the argument if he do, if Garrett does what he's supposed to do, which is he's supposed to come out and basically put on a show as far as his athletic testing. He's supposed to run well, jump well, all that stuff. Uh, and if he does that, basically he doesn't step on a landmine uh, this week, he's going to be the first pick. I mean, there's just no way around it. Uh, and, and if you want to sort of put this in perspective, you just look at what, what's happening with the 49ers. They are basically openly telling everyone that they hate being in, in the second pick that they don't like any of their options. Uh, they don't seem to love any of the quarterbacks and they have a bunch of defensive linemen. So they're sort of in a wonky position there. So there's sort of talk about them taking Ruben Foster at two as good as Ruben Foster might be. That's not a satisfying scenario. So, you know, the, the, the way this worked out, getting the number one overall pick this year was critical. And, and, it would be an absolute stunner if the Browns don't take Garrett. He, for everything they do as far as uh, evaluating players, from uh, they they measure production, they they value guys who can run fast, jump high, produce, and then are are clean off the field. Garrett's going to be so far ahead of the field uh, that it's pretty pretty hard to imagine that unless some quarterback comes out of left field, and I don't believe that's going to happen that Miles Garrett's going to be the first pick. And even though the NFL will uh, pressure them not to say anything until the, until the draft actually happens, I think uh, the rest of the NFL has pretty much already moved on to the fact that, that they're on, we're on to the second pick. That makes perfect sense. Like I always uh, was saying, like since the fall, that whoever got the first pick should absolutely take Miles Garrett, given this, uh, dare I say, horrendous quarterback class. And that might even be kind, uh, uh, as we will see four years down the road or so. Uh, so I definitely agree. And uh, But the Browns obviously still have the quarterback position to address. And that is why, that is uh, Benjamin Albright, our NFL insider, told us uh, last week, that the Browns are going to be in a bidding war with the Bears to acquire Jimmy Garoppolo from the New England Patriots. And uh, first, a simple yes or no question. Do you think the Browns win the Jimmy Garoppolo sweepstakes? No. In fact, I don't even think they're in the Jimmy Garoppolo sweepstakes. Oh, that's fascinating. So if they do not acquire Garoppolo then, do you see them uh, taking a quarterback in round one and if not moving up within the top ten again to uh, select – a quarterback with one of those picks? So uh, let's start with Garoppolo. First, I think everything with Garoppolo is coming from the Patriots. There's been very little that's coming from the Browns' side of this negotiation. They could certainly be interested, but it would be surprising to me. Everything they've been saying, everything they've been doing would suggest they want their own guy. 
that Hugh Jackson wants his own guy, that he doesn't want to, to, to give up a bunch of assets for somebody else's quarterback. So with that, the Browns, if they love a quarterback, could they move up from 12? Sure. The reality is I don't think they need to, and I don't think they believe they need to. Uh, and, and I don't think this quarterback class is bad, but it is flawed. Nobody's ready to go. I think everybody can agree that that everybody is uh, a project or somewhere in their development. Nobody's ready to go right out of the gate, which is why – you know, the, it, it's such an easy decision to take Miles Garrett. You're going to take him. He's going to be on the field right now. You know exactly what's going to happen with him. You move on. When it comes to 12 and the quarterback, whoever they take, I mean, they could throw him out there. But I think the the more prudent uh, path is to to take them at their own pace, to sort of be able to develop them, to really get them comfortable and confident in what they want to do. The other part of this is the Browns aren't in a hurry, and you saw this last year. They went 1-15, and some of that uh, was in part by design, and that's not to say they tanked. It's to say that at, at a certain point, winning wasn't the top priority anymore. They started looking ahead, and it became about development, and that doesn't mean they didn't try to win. It just means that they had a focus on the development, and then it sort of uh, snowballed and the losses piled up, but it, they – you know, they were a bad team and they owned it. So that's where they found themselves in this position. Uh, to me, they, if they don't improve the quarterback position at all, I think they can win four to t- four to six games this year. Uh, it took all kinds of effort not to win three last year. But uh, th- so that I think they will be uh, confident enough to take a quarterback and go at their own pace. Now, the 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 issue that comes into play with this, as always, is in especially last year, is if guys get hurt. Uh, we had Josh McCown get hurt. We had RG three get hurt. We had uh, Cody Kessler get hurt at various points. So that becomes sort of the the danger uh, with that. But I think ultimately, this uh, this front office, who I actually really like, and then Hugh Jackson, are confident they can find their own quarterback uh, in this group. Now, personally, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hoping it's either uh, Deshaun Watson or Pat Mahomes. Uh, but uh, there's plenty of reason to believe the Browns really like Deshaun Kaiser. They had a scout follow him around the entire year. In any situation, I think they they want their own guy. They want to sort of groom him with the rest of the offense, which is not uh, ready to go right now. I mean, they've got talent, they've got guys, but I don't think you're ready to up the expectations, which inevitably would happen with, with Garoppolo. And the other part of that with Garoppolo is you're not only giving up picks, you're then having to pay him something along the lines of that Brock Eisweiler contract. And if it doesn't work, if he doesn't come in and win or at least look good, suddenly it becomes a situation where guys get fired. It'll definitely be very, very interesting to see how it all plays out uh, in Cleveland this year. So uh, you don't necessarily see them taking a quarterback in round one, but do you think they might jump on one in round two? No, I think they'll. I think they'll take one at uh, that twelfth pick. Uh, but the other possibility is if somebody falls that they just have to have at twelve. The other possibility I'd look out for is trading up from the thirty-third pick, and the spot I'd I'd peg out for them is a twenty-sixth pick, which is the Seattle Seahawks. It would put them right in front of the Chiefs. The Seahawks have notoriously loved to move back to gain extra picks, move out of the first round to, to gain a few assets. The Browns would get that fifth-year contract uh, on a quarterback, which teams always love to get. 
put them in front of the Chiefs and, uh, and a few other teams and ensure they get a guy. So ultimately, I think 12th pick is where they're, they're, they're going to look to get their quarterback. But if they, let's say it's somebody like Pat Mahomes and they truly believe that he'll be there, I could see them uh, using some of those assets and they have a ton of them to move up to 26 and getting three first pick, three first round picks for this year. That won't be a surprise either. Um, the Minnesota Vikings uh, are the latest example to accumulate three first round picks via trading up and down the board. That was uh, exactly four years ago this April. And the, and given the ammo the Browns have, it'll, it's definitely easy to see them trading uh, into that 26th spot like the Broncos did last year to get uh, Paxton Lynch. And continuing with the combine, um, give us some under-the-radar prospects that nobody is uh, paying that much attention to that we, we should all watch out for this week. And let's do one at each position, starting at quarterback. Name us an under-the-radar under radar prospect at quarterback. Uh, I think Gerard Evans has a real opportunity to make some noise this week, uh, Virginia Tech. He's a guy I wish wish would have stayed in college. Uh, I know Ben Albright loves him. Uh, I, I wish he would have stayed for that extra year, but he's certainly a guy who has tools who could certainly help himself in a format where all he's got to do is make throws. Nobody's trying to hit him. That's a good situation for him to sort of improve his stock in a class where uh, there's a lot of volatility and guys can move up and down and, and, and make up a lot of ground in, in this group. Gerard Evans is one to watch a quarterback. How about at running back? Oof. Uh, I think the guy that will keep going in the way he's, he's sort of helped himself a lot lately. I think it'll only keep going is Kareem hunt from Toledo. Oh, love uh, him. Arguably the, uh, to me, he was the best guy at the senior bowl at the running back position. And I think a lot of people were still a little unsure if it would translate he looked fantastic there. I think his athleticism is is good. He slimmed down a little bit, which should only make him look, look that much more explosive for testing. Uh, he can scoot. He's got a lot of ability. I think teams are going to love him, and and I don't know if enough people are sort of familiar with him. Uh, people are going to be familiar with him very soon. I watched uh, one game of that guy on DraftBreakdown.com, and Kareem Hunt, he may be um, undersized, according to some people, but he runs a million times bigger and stronger than what his size is. And that's what makes him very special, at least in my eyes. I definitely can't wait to see him this week. How about at the wide receiver position? I don't know how under the radar he is. I think he's picked up a lot of steam lately, but Chad Hansen from Cal, uh, for all the people who want to watch Davis Webb, who I think is not a very good quarterback, the guy who jumps off the tape for me is, is Chad Hansen. He's incredible. Uh, he's not quite as polished uh, with his footwork and some of the other things as as Keenan Allen was when he came out at Cal. But what uh, Hanson has is a little bit more explosiveness, a little more, more juice in his game. He can make plays on the ball deep. He can make uh, short catches and go a long way. I think he's a guy who's really going to elevate himself. And this is another position where I think guys are going to be – there are going to be some terrific players uh, at the wide receiver position that don't go until day three that make a massive impact in the NFL. Chad Hansen, definitely one to watch at wide receiver. How about the tight end position? This is a interestingly deep class to tight end. Well, I mean, one of the stories of the entire combine is likely to be Adam Shaheen from Ashland. Uh, Division II school, uh, GLIAC, which is a well-regarded conference in D2. But uh, he's a junior, so he didn't get to play in an all-star game. Listed 6'6", 277. He can run. He can go up and make plays on the ball. 
uh, played basketball, so he's got that sort of that power forward look to him, uh, dominated at that level. It's going to be curious to see just how big he is if he comes in at like 6'6", 265, or even 6'5", 260, or whatever. And if he runs really well, suddenly he's a guy who could be uh, a solid day two prospect. And some some people may get nuts with just how high he can go. And, and there's already talk that he might be the third best tight end in this class behind O.J. Howard. And, and if you considered uh, Njoku a, a tight end at all and not just a yoked up receiver, Shaheen's sort of that next guy. Yeah, a lot of people have been uh, harping about Shaheen, at least on draft Twitter, and he's a guy I definitely look forward to paying attention to, I believe, on Saturday when the, the tight ends uh, do their uh, workouts. Uh, let's moving on to moving on to the defensive side of the ball, the defensive line or edge rusher. Um, any names uh, you got there? Well, I think I think uh, the kid from Youngstown State, uh, Derek Rivers. Uh, oh, yeah, Derek State. Rivers. Uh a, a, a weird story in that he was always a Youngstown State guy. It's not a situation where he transferred down or anything. He went to Youngstown State. He's been there his entire career. He's got the all-time sack record for Youngstown State. Uh, he got a chance to play at the Senior Bowl. He was fantastic in terms of his ability to get low uh, and showing his explosiveness. And he's a guy who looks like he's going to test extremely well athletically. Uh, and, and, you know, you've already, probably already seen uh, the videos of him doing bench press and stuff. Uh, he's a, he's a very exciting athletic prospect who's got a chance to go as high as, as maybe the third, maybe even the second round. I've heard, I've seen some stuff where people even talking about him as a first round pick, which I think is a little nuts, but he is very talented, has an NFL body. Uh, I think a lot of people are excited about him for the right reasons. I've heard a lot about Rivers, too, and uh, somebody I remember mocked him to the Broncos for what it's worth in the third round, and uh, well, I definitely look forward to watching him for that and many other reasons. And how about linebacker? Another one where I got to think of the kid's name. Uh, Jordan Herdman from Simon Frazier. He's another guy who's at the Senior Bowl. Uh, a lot of people almost didn't know who he was uh, when he showed up there. Uh, looked good as far as the weigh-in, and then he got in the field. He was much faster, showed a lot more range than people expected. He's a guy who has a chance to really help himself. Uh, I think a lot of people left Mobile very excited about him. And if he could test well, he's he's a guy who can is only going to help himself that much more. Definitely keep him in mind. Uh, how about let's move on to the secondary corner. The guy I'm kind of interested to see if he can if he can uh, you know back it up athletically is Demonte Casey from San Diego State. Uh, at, at the senior bowl, he made it a point to try to work on almost nothing but press. He came in with the mindset that he wanted to show NFL teams. He could play press because at San Diego state, they played off man, uh, zone coverage. But in terms of a guy who's willing to come up and hit a guy who made plays on the fo football, he has a ton of interceptions in his career. Uh, the questions are going to be, you know, how fast is he? And, and that's where he's going to have to prove himself. But he's a guy who very impressive in, in, in a really, really deep corner class, probably a guy who's a little bit uh, forgotten despite how, just how good he's been. And finally, any safeties to look out for? Any name that hasn't been getting any buzz at that position? Lorenzo Jerome uh, from St. Francis in Pennsylvania. Uh, he did a little bit of everything for the Red Flash uh, defense, and he returned kicks and punts. He was regarded as one of the best athletes, uh, so this will be his week to prove it. Uh, he, he's 
played safety, but he also played up in the slot. Very good at uh, making plays on the football. Uh, he's willing to be physical, even if his tackling isn't always where it needs to be. And then he had the most insane stat line in the all-star circuit where he played in the NFLPA game and then got called up to the uh, senior bowl. He had two interceptions at the NFLPA game. And then he came to the senior bowl, had two interceptions and a fumble recovery there. So, you know, he's a guy who's, whose name's been out there, but, uh, and, and showed he could play uh, against bigger competition. So if the athleticism proves out, he's another guy who could end, end up finding himself called up on day two. He's Pete Smith, ladies and gentlemen, contributor to draftbreakdown.com and nflspinzone.com. And you could hear how well-versed in the draft he is, as a lot of the guys he mentioned are from small schools. And a lot of the time, it's those small school players that turn out to be the hidden gems in, uh, in the draft. And uh, Pete, Thank you once again for joining us yet again today, providing us your invaluable expertise uh, in the draft. And uh, before you go, I have one final question for you. Uh, Simple prediction for this week. Whose stock will rise the most after the combine and whose stock will fall the most after the combine? I'll give you the guy whose stock will fall the most, at least from a financial standpoint. The guy I think will lose the most money this week will be Jonathan Allen. Uh, And it's because... He's a fantastic football player on the field. Athletically, this could hurt him. I just don't think he's going to test that well. And for a guy who's, you know, many people would argue was in the conversation for the number one pick, could find himself falling all the way to the teens, um, not, you know, the back end of the teens, but the early part of the teens. And just from a financial standpoint, he, he would he'd be the guy who has the most to lose. Uh, the guy who could end up making himself the most money this week uh, is Adoree Jackson uh, from USC. Uh, you know, there's a lot of criticism about his ability to play in coverage, and there are certainly some technical issues he has to clean up. The fact of the matter is, he goes and gets the football. He's physical, and as a returner, he's as dangerous as anybody. He might be a bit of a, a project in terms of getting him to be a great corner. But if he can come in day one and be a, a, one of the best returners in the league, potentially, and he is a, you know, he's a guy who tried out for the Olympics. He's a long jump champion in the Pac-12. He's a big-time sprinter in the Pac-12. He's a guy who's going to, should absolutely light it up this week in terms of, of athletic testing. Thank you very much, Pete Smith. And once again, you could follow Pete on Twitter at underscore Pete Smith underscore. And as he showed you, he knows his draft and uh, he's a must follow as uh, we close in on the 2017 NFL Draft. That does it for today here on Sports Crunch with D-Crown, but we will be back next week to preview NFL free agency and get the latest scoops as to where certain players could land. And for Chris Broadhead, for Pete Smith, I'm David Cromlow saying so long and stay awesome.